In the same way that most people don't feel uncomfortable saying I like the color blue, I don't feel uncomfortable saying once in a while I like to get pegged by a sexy girl wearing a strap on. That was Eric Schaefer, writer, director, producer. He just made a movie called Boy Meets Girl. Comes out in theaters in New York on Friday, so get in your snowplow and go see it. Movie is a uh, rom-com love story with a transgender woman at the center of it. We talk about that film with him today for about eh, 42 minutes, maybe cut down to 38. He tried to do it with a Kickstarter campaign, but he talks about what the reality is today of Kickstarter, trying to get money out of that. We talked to him about trying to be the director of 50 Shades of Grey. And years ago, I produced him on a talk show and I call him out for going against what I asked him to do, and he claims he never did that. So that was uh, interesting. He's a great guy, and it's a fun interview. We talk about the movie and about... I already told you what we talk about. It's a good interview. I've interviewed him before. Appropriately enough, it's called the Eric Schaefer interview, and that we talk about his whole early career, how he became an independent film guy, and how he got movies made. Good, interesting stuff. Also, I did a live show with Eric Schaefer and Frank Conniff, where we talked about Birdemic. That's also on our website, proudlyresents.com. Find out how to hear both those shows at our website. Also, check out posts I put up, 10 tips for TV cops, and six movies that were TV shows twice. Interesting. Can you guess which ones they are? Also, I threw in an Easter egg. Some people call it a mistake or... A screw-up or mispronunciation or... I say it's an Easter egg for you, so if you have any... Hear me get any facts wrong or their names wrong, please feel free to tweet us at Proudly Resents. Also, our Facebook group, mostly about movies, not really about the show. Post any new movie news you see or you want to read up some weird movie news, that's where you go. Join the group. Other film lovers like yourself... Oh, and uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the language, some coison, some sexual talk. So uh, beware. Don't let your parents hear it. It's very embarrassing. All right. So uh, you want to start recording? Yeah. All right. It's Proudly Resents, uh, ProudlyResents.com. Very excited. A lot of great things from doing this podcast, but... Mainly, it's um, coming friends and getting to know uh, Eric here. Eric Schaefer directed a lot of movies that I liked, including My Life's in Turnaround, Lucy Fell, Fall, After Fall, Winter, Spring, Summer, right? When's Not summer yet. coming on? No summer? I feel like this well, is summer. They're every 16 years, buddy. <laughs> but your new movie is totally, uh, it's totally different. It is and it isn't. Okay, why is that? Well, you've done... You're not in this film. Tell the name of the film. Was, yeah, it's uh, called Boy Meets Girl. Right. And and it's, you know, as I'm sure you know, being such a fine and appreciated Keep going. supporter of my work. Keep going. You know, I was not in the movie Never Again, starring Jeffrey Tambor and Jill Clayburgh, which is an interesting segue to this movie since Jeffrey Tambor is, you know, so brilliant and transparent. But so this movie is similar because, you, you know, you know, because the themes of all my movies and TV shows even at, at their heart are kind of about the same thing, which is, you know, how do we live a life knowing that we're complicated people inside within the confines of this sort of box that society shoves us in? Straight men, gay men, gay woman, straight woman, straight guy, but he wants to 
think this way emotionally and physically and sexually? Does that make them gay? Does it make them bi? You know, all these, because we know that real life straight guys have a fluid sexuality, a fluid fantasy life, most guys. And so I talk about stuff that most guys and women think about, but maybe don't talk about as much. So you know that. That's a feature of my work. You know, like, and, and, and listen, one man's, you know, panty fetish is another man's, I don't know, likes to get tied up, is another woman's likes to strangle her boyfriend a little bit, you know, is another woman's whatever. I mean, we all generally don't live in the vanilla of a sexual experience. But you don't talk about, I mean, where I come in my world, right? And this is what's fascinating about you and your films is that you don't talk about that stuff. You don't put that outside. Why do you feel like it's important to put out? And I guess also what makes you so comfortable with just well, saying? Well, the, the first answer, the answer to the first question is why it's important to put out there is so that Jeffrey Dahmer doesn't cut off men's dicks and eat them and kill them. You think he's repressed? Is that yeah, why? Yeah, I think look at our society. There's uh -huh. a radical, and it's and it's a misnomer that we're somehow getting more less judgmental and more open. In some ways we are, but in many ways we're becoming more puritanical and more judgmental. And you know, so at the core is self hatred and self loathing over the shame that people feel about their own humanity. That's the bottom line. And so. You know, when I make movies and shows that talk about my how I look at the world as a regular old straight dude, which I believe I am, you know, with my circumstance, middle class, white, New Yorker, straight dude. And I get, you know, emails and calls and texts and tweets, whatever, from everything from 15-year-old boys in the South, you know, in some little town that thought that they were going to get, you know, didn't understand their own sexuality because they were confused by having different feelings and ideas that they thought weren't okay. Two 75-year-old black guys from La Jolla who see Fall and say, man, I so identified with you with your heart. You know, and across the spectrum, my movies cut across racial, gender, sexual orientation, and age lines. Is it because you're so because of the honesty of the yeah because it's just heart man people are just, just awkward and whatever sex whatever age they are it, yeah whatever age they are people like are craving somebody that like is a kindred spirit that goes man I think that I feel that it's not just around sex in uh, my life turnaround when Donnie and I do a funny dance we have girlfriends now we have girlfriends now because I hear a, an answering machine message from a girl I like so it's not just sex it's male emotionality. It's men crying. It's men showing that we sit around listening. Well, there's no answering machines, but that we sit around waiting for the girl to call. Right. Women like, really? I didn't know guys do that. Like, come on. Wait, no, oh. they don't. Guys are tough. Let's move on. Come right. on. Why, why blow it? Exactly. So anyway, I think that the reason that the people that support my films cut across so many different lines, and it's because of that, and that's the importance of it. The importance is that we don't feel shame about very human, natural ways that we, we act sexually, emotionally, of course, if you know, that are appropriate and legal and not harming anybody, you know, but normal, God-given kind of sides of our life. So I think it's important to put that out there. And that's the answer to your first question. And the second reason, I don't know why I feel so comfortable. I just, I guess, because I feel like 
I'm no different than anybody else. And so I don't know why. I just, I just don't feel un- in the same way that most people don't feel uncomfortable saying I like the color blue. I don't feel uncomfortable saying once in a while I like to get pegged by a sexy girl wearing a strap on. You know what I mean? <laughs> so this film, though, it's about a woman who's transgender. Yeah. And uh, when you were starting it, I, there weren't anything really about transgender on TV or movies. And now you're coming out right at the time, obviously, when uh, Transparents, starring Jeffrey Tambor, is uh, the hot, big hot thing. And uh, Bruce Jenner is making a transition. So, I mean, yeah. you couldn't have picked a better time. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, as you say, I started writing this two years ago. I shot it a year ago. So that was before... I mean, Orange is the New Black was just coming out. So Laverne Cox was like forging this really great road for uh, trans actresses, Um, you know, but that had just started. So, yeah, now by the time the movie gets finished and gets a distributor and comes out, you're right. It's definitely the the trans conversation is in the national zeitgeist and and also the tragic, you know, suicide of, of of the young girl, trans girl recently. You know, who if she had seen a movie like Boy Meets Girl or there were more sort of very pro trans stories out there in the media, in our art, in our movies, in our television shows that aren't just portraying trans people as prostitutes or killers. Killers. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like monster, like fucking homicidal lesbians, you know, like. um, So, yeah, it's definitely in the in the conversation now. Was there pressure? I mean, this character, she's I saw the movie and she's like she's very likable. Yeah. And then everybody likes him. So there's not even a really, I mean, a couple, the bad guys don't like her, of course. Right. But uh, so there's conflict. But was there, was there pressure for you to make sure that she was um, a certain way, that she was likable, people can relate to her? Well, well, no, you know, because, I mean, when I make films, you know, sometimes people pay for my movies and there's studios behind them. Like if Lucy fell, then I don't have as much control. Somebody else's money. You know, if I raise private equity, like I did for this movie, and I sort of have final cut, then there's no pressure from anywhere, you know, to do anything. So, But for you to tell the story, to get people well, to want to hear her. Well, part of what I wanted to do with the story was I, I wanted it to be a feel like a quote-unquote regular old romantic comedy that happened to have a transgender woman as the lead. So that, you know, painting a new landscape of sort of an Eric movie, right, First of all, take my personality out of it. For better or worse, I enjoy acting in my movies. A lot of people like me in my movies. Some don't, whatever. But certainly, arguably, it's a big personality. If you take me out of the equation as an actor, it's instantly going to be a different landscape of a film. So that was going to go a long way towards allowing audiences, new and old, to kind of see my film in a new way, which I wanted to do with this movie. Secondarily, make it about 22-year-olds. That's a different sort of age range than I had made a movie about recently. Why didn't you want to be in it? Well, because I wanted to give audiences a chance to look at what I'm, what I care about in film, in a with a fresh perspective. And I felt like me for my fans and people that love me in my movies, it's no problem. They they miss me not being in them. But maybe for people that haven't seen my my films or people that maybe haven't really responded well to my films, I'd like to offer them a chance to maybe have a new perspective. So by taking that's why I didn't want to be in it. And I wanted to, you know, do so and making it about three 22 year olds in the South, you know, layer upon layer of sort of not what people have come to think and expect in an Eric movie. Was that hard for you not to write no, for yourself? No, no, it's actually really no, because, again, you know, you've seen all my movies like the dialogue, the, 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 the story being about somebody who is yearning to be accepted for who they are 
loved for who they are at the core. It's a more obvious, these themes are more obviously expressed in a story about a transgender girl in the South, right? Upon first blush, somebody hearing the log line for that movie, you'd go, oh yeah, wow. I could imagine that would be a really challenging life, right? Yeah. But it's no more or less challenging necessarily than your experience growing up as you did, my experience growing up as I did, with the, with the bullying that we went through for whatever we went through. I was a long-haired kid that moved to Vermont when I was 14 from New York and got beat up every day because I had long hair and was a New York hippie. Right. You know, that, that sucked. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm, so you, you know, related to her there, but you, you took it one step further. Well, actually, Michelle, in real life, Henley, who, who is the trans woman playing the trans woman character you know she's gorgeous and to my pleasant surprise when i asked her did you get bullied or uh, she said not really and i'm like so and her parents support her and her community supports her uh-huh. and you know so i've always said you can't compare pain right like someone from the ghetto who grows up without a dad let's say who's dodging bullets you know yeah that's an awful upbringing you know but are you but I've always felt like, hey, at least you can see where the bullets are coming from. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I came up, listen, my parents are great. I love them to death. Right. But like, certain emotional, distant, fractured relationships that happen in families, even when nuclear families are together, what are you going to say that that's an easier or harder kind of pain to go through than, than somebody who grew up in a circumstance where... No, it all sucks. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can't... Yeah. Comp- I'd, at least I'd like to see where the bullets were coming from. Right. Like, you know, the shit I had to deal with was such a bizarre, manipulated kind of fucked up, you know, and again, having said with a caveat that I have nothing but love and respect for my parents, but I'm just saying, I don't think you can compare pain. Right. And uh, how did you find her, the actress? It was unbelievable. You know, there's not a lot of trans actresses working at, you know, you can't call CAA and say, you know, I'm casting a 22-year-old transgender girl. Who can you send your actresses over? So I Googled like transgender woman, transgender actress, because I wanted a transgender woman to play the part. I didn't want a cisgender man or woman. And I wanted, I needed for the movie for her to be really pretty and sort of in her young 20s and pre-op because there are certain aspects of the story that I thought were very important that she have a, a pre-op transgender female body. And um, so I, I Googled and I up came about six or seven women across the country. And Michelle was one of them. She had a YouTube channel where she did these like vlogs, really simple, like talking about her boyfriends, guys she's dating, showing off sort of clothes she likes, very girly. She was clearly really pretty, really at ease in front of the camera in cosmetology school in Missouri. Oh, really? So she wasn't trying to be an actress? No. Wow. Never acted a day in her life. Uh Uh-huh. And so I got a hold of her and she was like, understandably dubious of this, like, because she didn't know what in my work. So she's like, yeah, I want to be in your movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Hello, creep. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know. so I'm like, look, look me up on IMDb. Put your dad on the phone. I'm like, let me talk to your mom. Like, this is for real. Uh-huh. And so she quickly realized it was for real. And I did talk to her dad on the phone. And I auditioned her over Skype. And she was very green. And I so I sent her to this, like, acting coach in St. Louis to, like, just learn acting 101, like roar like a lion, like be yellow, be, you know, literally just to open her up in that kind of way you do in those remedial acting classes. Because that I couldn't do with her and I didn't want to do that over Skype. So that's, you know, 
once a week, go to him, do that stuff. And then we'll do scene study over Skype. Uh-huh. First, she got better and better. I flew her to New York, workshopped the whole script with a couple actors, not the ones that ended up doing those parts. And she just kept getting better and better. She was great in the film. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Why, why Kentucky? Why did you shoot it there? Was it location I, or? Well, movie magic, I cheated. Um, I actually shot it in Southern Vermont because I have a house there and because I have ties to the community there. And it approximates geographically the South, you know, Kentucky for sure. Uh-huh. And I know a lot of people that live in Southern Vermont that say, yeah, it reminds them of home. You know, low rolling mountains and fields and horses and streams. And so, you know, as you know, when you're making an independent film, you have to use and you have a lot of money. You have to use every everything you can at your disposal. So Vermont's obviously closer than Kentucky. I have a house there, family, friends. So we kind of bust everyone up from New York and then cast a lot of local talent. Um, But I wanted to set it in small. I wanted to like blow up every stereotype I could. So I think by setting this in small rural town America and in the South, which I think arguably, while, um, you know, it would be generalization to say that everyone in the South is bigoted, of course. Right. I think it's a safe generalization to say that there's still probably a bit more bigotry going on in the South than in the North, in the Northern cities in California. Um, But having said that, Michelle grew up in the South, you know, and I I know I I talked to a lot of other trans women that were were from the South, and they all told the same story of a tremendous amount of acceptance. So I wanted to blow up that stereotype, too, about small town America being a place that's not accepting of all kinds of people. Because if you set this story in Chicago or San Francisco or New York, Mm -hmm. it's a different story. Because you, you assume it's accepted. Yes, you assume you assume that an unbelievably hot transgender girl, 21-year-old transgender girl, is not going to sort of have any problems. Uh-huh. I, I don't know that that's a correct assumption or not, but certainly not a sort of a bigotry or a, you know, a discrimination kind of right. And, and then you found from talking to people that that's just not the case, so you wanted to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, I wanted, I, I just think coming, again, trying to, the name of the movie, Boy Meets Girl, right? It's, it's that for a reason. It's the most sort of obvious, stereotypical kind of, it, it's actually sort of a definition of boy meets girl, you know, boy meets girl. That's like a romantic comedy. So it sounds generic. It sounds like formulaic, like you've seen it a million times. That could be good. That could be bad. But I wanted in every way people to come to this thinking that it's just this boy meets girl story when in fact it is, but it's this modern fable um, that is very unexpected. You got your money. Is this having a lot of the money through uh, Kickstarter or Indiegogo, whatever? Did no, you we got we got like kind of a fifteenth, the twentieth of the of the budget from Kickstarter, and then I mean not a twentieth, a fifth. We got like a fifth, twenty percent of the budget we got from Kickstarter. Not yeah, like like ten, fifteen percent, and then um, we got I got private investors, you know, to to kick in the rest. So what would you do next? Time? Would you try Kickstarter again? Did that work out? You know, or why I'll did you do saying- that for? You know, I did it because I heard that all these people could raise all this money from it. And I thought, you know, I have a lot, luckily that I have a lot of friends and family and supporters of my work. So I felt like I wasn't trying to get terribly a lot of money. And it was always also right around the time that the Zach Braff got $16 billion or whatever he got. And um, I thought, well, if I just get a, you know, tiny amount of support, that would be terrific. And people might be fun for people. And I'll be honest with you, Adam, it was really, I've never really asked people for, I've gotten independent money before, like big chunks, but I've never really asked anybody for money. You know, I've kicked in a lot of my own money, um, 
you know, I don't have that much, but I'd get a job and then I'd sink it in a movie and either get some of it back or lose it all or, but asking people for money is, a, I learned a lot. Let's put it that way. What was it like going out there and asking? It was really hard. Different than asking investors or asking people to see your film? Yeah, really. What, what's know, different from it? I know friends. I have friends that make a lot of money, like sick, retarded. I know a couple billionaires. No, I know. I know multi, multi-millionaires. Ten times over. Who I know are good friends of mine, and I know really, really like my work. And they they just wouldn't give me anything. And and then I know guys, good dear friends that aren't millionaires, but make, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, could they throw me five grand like it's nothing? Absolutely. Right. Wouldn't give me a fucking red cent. Not even five hundred bucks. Not even a hundred bucks. And they said, I'm like, dude, these are people <laughs> I stay with when I come visit LA. You know, good, good right. friends. I'm like, what do you? They're like, dude, I'm just against that. It's like, I don't do that. Why is that? If they're not going to invest, they're not going to hand it to you. I don't know. It just annoys me. I don't want to. No, I'm not going to give you 50 bucks. Like, you've made eight movies. Like, you go raise the money. Like, I don't know. It's this weird energy that they just don't want. It's not me personal. They don't do it to anybody. Yeah, a lot of times when you listen to Pledge Drive or something, and he's like, well, not me. Someone will give money, but not me. Yeah, and I'm like, listen, if every, if every one of my 6,000 Twitter followers, if every one of my 2,000 Facebook friends give me 10 bucks, <laughs> we make the movie. Right. We make the movie. Yeah, I yeah. For 100 bucks. I know, listen, it's hard for me. Give me 10 fucking bucks. Yeah, but everyone's got to do it. You all have to be on board. Um, listen, I raised fucking $12,000. Doing that. What yeah. was your goal? What did you think you'd get? Like 75000 okay. Right. And I, then I raised 13000 bucks. And then now with the uh, and the rest of the money, where did you get that from? You know, from independent finance. I got twenty from one investor, ten from another investor, twenty from another. Uh-huh. You know, cobbled together enough money to make the movie. How is it getting releases? Well, Wolf Wolf is an awesome distributor. They're distributing it. Um, it's going to be in at least five cities: New York on February sixth at the Village East, right? So that's this Friday. We're already booked for L.A. February twenty seventh at the NoHo Seven, Lemley, great theater. We're in San Diego and D.C. On the, on the 13th of February. So it's rolling out to like five or six cities that are already booked. But honestly, how we do, and then it'll be on VOD on April 7th and DVD the 28th and then Netflix and iTunes and all that stuff like in May. So, but how we do in this theater at the Village East on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday literally will dictate the life of the movie theatrically because all the, the, all the other exhibitors around the country in the other markets, Minneapolis, Tucson, San Francisco, that are waiting to look and see how it does in Manhattan will then book the film if it does well. So for the film to really have a kind of a a chance to break out, Uh which is why I'm risking putting it in a theater, which is super expensive is because I want to, I want to be in the game, you know, I want to be in the game and not just, not that there's any disgrace in going straight to VOD or Netflix or iTunes, most independent films, that's how they get distributed. Now it's very rare for an independent film without big stars to ever land in a movie theater. But I just feel like I want, and I'm kind of old school. I just feel like when you make a movie, you get your mom and your girlfriend and a popcorn and 150 people in the dark and watch it 30 feet high. You know, that's what a movie is. And I'm just not willing to succumb to this idea that that's just finished unless you have big stars and a massive budget or a big distributor. I'm just not. But it costs so much to put it in the theater. Uh You know, I have a tiny little one-inch ad in the Times. And then we're doing a massive 
you know, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, whatever that new thing, you know, whatever Tumblr. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like massively, you know, and I've, I've called every LGBT center and community I can find. We've How done are they? Are they responding well to it? Well, yeah. I mean, we won 30 best film awards over 40 festivals. So, you know, the LGBT community is well aware of the movie and so embracing of it because it's this positive. They all say the same thing. It's like we were waiting for the obligatory, like, get beat up scene or right. like the obligatory rape scene or the obligatory, you know. Well, why did you avoid? There is a point where I think, oh, no. This guy is going to rape her. Right. And then you find out that you well, yeah, not. Don't, and, why, don't right, right, right. But, <laughs> but um, wh- why were you conscious of that? Wh- what made you, or were you conscious of it, or you just you forgot? You because, forgot the listen, cliche. No, because 99%, or I don't know what percent, a large percent of trans people's experience is my movie, which is that their family loves and supports them. They have brothers. They have sisters. Michelle is in finished cosmetology school. And now she's working in a salon and delivering pieces while she's waiting to get her next part as an, as an, like any other working actress, like a majority of trans experience is loving and they have, they have jobs and go to school and, you know, have families and like everybody else does. So right. that experience is so underrepresented in movies and television, that I wanted to represent a, a more normal trans experience from from everyone I've talked to and all the research I did and all my trans friends, you know, they're like, yeah, we're not a very small percentage of us, like a very small percentage of the population in general are prostitutes, <laughs> right. drug dealers and what, you know. But in films, it's very high. The, the yeah, the proportionally, yeah. you'd think that and that's the problem. You have this ridiculous mis- there's this ridiculous misperception of the trans community out there because of movies. Right. So I wanted to make a movie that that was much more representative. And not only that, but that also all audiences, including straight audiences, could enjoy and identify with. So this is a film. There's some films that I think feel much more like if you're not in the LGBT community, you're not going to identify with that film. Right. But this is not one of those films. Boy Meets Girl is a film that I think you'd, I don't know if you'd agree, is a film that straight audiences can embrace as a film that, that they identify with. I mean, because of the basic themes of just uh, love triangles and, uh, right. It just involves right. wanting, this woman. And wanting to be loved and accepted for who you are and uh-huh. love who you love regardless of why you love them. Right? Yeah, and it's really not that much of an issue with her in the film, which, you know, makes it not, I mean, Right. It makes it not a lifetime movie of the week about transgender. It's a love story. Who? Yeah, with a different, with a twist. For yeah, sure. yeah. It's a love story. It's about a, a young trans girl who's wondering about her sexuality and who she wants to love, and explores a cisgender woman, and has a best friend who's a guy. And it's a story about best friends. It's a story. It's if Lucy fell, redo. You know, right. like two best friends that wonder if they have more feelings for each other than friends, but one happens to be a transgender girl. Right. It was exactly like Lucy Fell. So if you've seen this Lucy <laughs> Fell, just imagine, you know, uh, her being a guy, and that's it. You save yourself 12 bucks. <laughs> and you don't have to go out in a blizzard. Oh, shit, there's a blizzard. You might, are you freaking out about the weather for Friday? No, well, no, I, no, there's supposed to be some snow on Thursday and Saturday night. Oh, I think great. Friday. <laughs> so you have to go on Friday. If you want to Friday, see the movie. I think yeah. the blizzard's coming Saturday night. 
and all right, you'll be fine all night Friday, so you won't get locked all in the Friday theater. and all Saturday, and then it's New York. We're used to it, man. We go out <laughs> in a nice blizzard and sit in a cozy movie theater and watch a great movie. Right, right. Here in LA, we wouldn't leave the house when it drizzles. Oh God, are you kidding? It, it you know, the little rain and everyone's hunkering it's, down. It's great. Rain you get a in table the, anywhere. Rain in the valley. Rain. In the, what do they call it? Rain in the Southland. In the Southland. Yeah. <laughs> There's some poor reporters standing out in the rain, in the drizzle, getting soaking wet. Literally, I love that. I love that about LA. It's literally, it's the leading story. Here, it's like you know, whatever. It's the New York it's Thursday. Coast. Head found in a bag. You know, like you know, like <laughs> rain in the Southland. Dog drowns. Yeah, that would be. Our you did I you write you thank Claudia Schiffer in your film in the end. Elle McPherson. Elle McPherson. Oh, you, oh, all those supermodels are all the same. You thank Elle McPherson in the film. Did Why I is think? that? Did she? Yeah, she contributed. Oh, great. Yeah, she contributed. She, she, you know, she's. That's what I mean. Like, you know, she's a very well-off woman. Right. Um, financially, and did you hound she, her, or she just? Huh? Did you? Is this one of the people you hounded for the money? This is one of the, one of my. I, I don't know if I hounded her. I said, you know, listen, I'm doing this Indiegogo campaign, and would you like to be part of contributing some money? And she was awesome, and she contributed some money. And and I'm telling you, she's one of those people that could certainly afford the contribution she made. And but and it was very generous of her to make it. Right. You know. And uh, would you do that again, the Indiegogo? I don't rap? think I would. No. Could it seem like begging in a different? I mean, I'm putting words. It just, it just, yeah, no, it didn't seem like begging. It just seemed like it kind of bummed me out because it made me feel like I don't know. It just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't work out that I like, it seemed like, it just seemed like more money should have gotten raised, you know? And, and I think that it, I learned that a lot of people have kind of a weird feeling about it. Right. So I don't know. I think I, I don't know. I'm not saying I never would, but I just, it wouldn't be the first thing I think. It also wasn't very productive. So it's like, why go, why spend all your time? All that? And... Yeah. 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 It didn't, you know, the, the cost reward for the hour, man hours spent for it. Yeah, I think everyone went crazy when those couple of movies did well on it. And then everyone, Spike Lee's on there, and he didn't do well on it. Or I think he just made it. But it seems like a big song and dance when you, you know how to go to uh, the traditional route. Yeah, well, yeah, listen, I, you know, I was, I'm lucky enough that there's some investors that had bigger, much bigger chunks of money that were interested in investing in the film. Are you doing another film next? Are you doing another TV show? Um, you know, I'm pitching. It's, I'm coming out actually in a, in, in, in next week to pitch some show i'm doing you know pitching shows in amazon and hbo and showtime like where i pitch you know fx um i have a couple different tv shows that i'm pitching just because it's you know i got to get a job and and i love tv i love the tv part of my life too so you know what i love you did starved you shot it like an independent film yeah yeah can you explain what you did because i don't know one does that well and gravity as well Uh uh-huh the show on the star show yeah i mean again to make make the budgets work for for you know, in New York City is really hard. Like, and so most people can't do it. Most people can't shoot in New York City with smaller budgets. So like FX, great network, but doesn't pay a ton of money for their half hours. So the way that I have to do it is, like if you have seven episodes, I shot it, I shoot it like one big long film so that like if you have, let's say in every episode you have a scene in the, in the diner, right? Like if you shoot, First episode, all of it. Second episode, all of it. Third episode, all of it in a row. That means you're going to shoot the scene in the diner one day in the first episode. Then you're going to run around and finish filming that episode. Then the next week, you're going to go back to that diner and you're going to shoot the scene in the diner for the second episode. And then the third week, 
So you're moving in and out of that diner seven times. And every time you move in and out of a, of a place, it, it's hours of time moving junk equipment in and out. So what I do is I shoot all seven scenes for all seven episodes that, that are going to take place in that diner in one day. So I'm shooting out of order. And that's how a film gets shot. Like, so all we do is we shoot the scene from episode one and then we stop and then we get in the different outfits and then we get in our brains what's happening in episode two that's leading up to this. So we kind of put ourselves in the right frame of mind to do it, shoot the scene in the diner from the second episode, then change our outfits, shoot the scene from the third episode that's in the diner. So we can shoot it all in one day. So that's like how a movie shot. Right. So you must have saved so much money. I mean, starved look. Yeah. That, you save yeah. tons of money, time and time is money. Yeah. And it was starved out there. Is that people can find that? You know what the bummer is about starved being out there is that, yeah, it's on you. The answer is yes, it's on YouTube. Somebody ripped it and put it on YouTube. But because I have, I have a really killer soundtrack in Starved, but because we didn't have a big enough budget, we could only license the music for broadcast. We couldn't license it on in perpetuity for DVD and download, right? So in other words, I have an Elton John song, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's, like the brilliant Holy shit. John song I have in the show. But we could only play a license fee, like thirty-five grand to license it for it to be on just when it aired. Like it would have been like one hundred fifty thousand dollars to license it if we wanted to be able to use it on DVD and, and download. So I said, "Well, you know what? This is the budget you're giving me for music. I want those great songs in here." But that's literally why it can't. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why it's not on DVD, and that's why it's not on Netflix. I've talked to FX about remixing. Right. What do they say? They're kind of like, that's an interesting idea and then it just never has happened. But right. like, if I just literally went in there and put a bunch of really cool songs in that didn't cost a lot. Right, right. And you see the reruns for Bosom Buddies, they just changed the opening song. It used to be they Billy did. Joel, but now it's some generic there sounding. You go. That's exactly what that's, what that's about. Oh, that's hilarious. And do you yeah. remember me? Um, and we'll get going. I produced you on Kimmel 100 years ago. Of course. Are you kidding? That was, <laughs> no, you I, was you know I do. I do remember it. Of course. I, I remember it. And, uh, you know, it was great. I was on with Dane Cook. Oh, yeah. I was the other guest. He was the other guest. I was on with Dane Cook. And Dane Cook, like, has all these, like, you know, amazing hot girl fans. Right. Once in a while, you know, I I get lucky and, you know, I, I tend to have some some nice fans, too. But. But Dane Cook seems to have these like rabid chick fans. And there were these two girls up in the top row that I kept noticing that were doing these just like obscene gestures, almost to the point where like it was so over the top. It it's, was in no way sexy. It was almost a little troubling. <laughs> and it was one of those things that I realized like it wasn't for my benefit. It was like for Dane Cook who was sitting next to me. So while you're doing this interview on TV, you look up and these two girls... Well, they were hot. These two yeah. hot girls, like, up there doing that, like, whatever, that V, gross V, and then on their mouth and wiggle their tongue thing, you know? Uh-huh. Like, you sure that wasn't for you? You never know. Did you check anyway? Well, I felt like I'm sitting next to Dane, like, hey, let me let me rub up on Dane and get a little, <laughs> little perks from Or leftovers, yeah. Yeah, they want to know who the fuck I am, but at least, you know. You're Dane's Dane, friend. Dane wasn't having it. Yeah, he didn't... He didn't no, he doesn't it. share. He didn't okay. share. And uh, you got me in trouble on that. Uh, I said, do not bring up Sarah, Jimmy's girlfriend. No. I mean. And I did that stupid thing that everyone in the world does. I know. It was so dumb. What was like, that? 
I brought it up and I was like, <laughs> like the luckiest guy in the world. And then he was like, yeah, I haven't heard that. It's kind of like when I drove a cab and it's like, hey, you're the first English speaking cab driver we've had. I'm like, really? That's the best you can come up with? Like, right. you don't think I hear that fucking 80 times a day for eight years? Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like Jimmy was like that. He was like, really? I don't hear that every fucking day that my girlfriend's hot and like, well, I'm so lucky to have her. Right, right. I think it makes it more nuts to have people keep saying he's lucky to have her. Well, yeah. I didn't mean it. He's lucky to have her because he's he shouldn't have her. He's right, lucky right. to have her just because he's a lucky guy to have such a great hot girlfriend. Right. I didn't mean it that he somehow wasn't shouldn't have a hot girlfriend. Right. right. No, it was funnier. You said, "Can I have her?" or something like that. Did I say, "Can I have her?" Yeah. And okay, uh, well, that's funny. It's. I thought it was funny, but it, I didn't remember. Listen, I wouldn't have defied your your. No, you see, it it happened. It, it, it's on the other person. It happened a lot when they were like, I'm going to say, um, Paul Provenza did it also. Uh, I'm going to say it any, you know, I'm going to say anything. Don't say it. If you say it, Jimmy's going to get awkward. The audience is going to get awkward. Ashton Kusher did it and I fucking wanted to punch him. As I said, it's just going to be weird. Yeah, but it, I'm saying, if you had told me that, I, I of course I, I told no, you. No, you did not. You yes. Did not. I nervously not. was like, uh, hey, Eric, do it. Let's not talk about Sarah. Oh, I'm, I'm not a rule breaker. I would have respected the, your authority no. as, as a producer, and I would have. You never fucking said that to me. I, of course me, I did. Of course I, I did. I would not have in, gone, yes. yeah, yeah, I won't, and then done it. That's not my style. I think you got out there and you're like, it would be funny. I did not. No, 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 100%. No, you did the hemming. You're crossing your fist there. You did the hamna, 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 but then you never add in. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Why would I hamna, 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 and not follow up with I that? I don't know. You. That's on you, buddy. <laughs> Uh, and then what about Life Coach? Uh, where can people see that? And we'll... Life Coach is, is... Do you like Life Coach? It's yeah, fun. that was funny. Yeah, Life Coach... Yeah, Life Coach is on Hulu. Uh-huh. Life Coach is on Hulu. I can't believe I'm still single is on Hulu. I have the weirdest... And it's so great that... Again, the fans I have for those shows. Like, I went in... Laverne Cox. Laverne Cox saw the new movie, Boy Meets Girl. Right. She really liked it. She was very sweet. She tweeted about it. And then we started talking and, you know, and she said, you know what I really love too? And I said, what? She said, you're still single show. I'm like, wow. And then I went in to meet with Mike DeLuca. You know who Mike DeLuca is? He's a Sony, a uh, big executive at Sony. Massive. He massive. He used to run New Line, massive film producer, produced every great movie you've seen, social network. all. And he, he was producing one of the producers on Shades of Grey. And I had made After Fall Winter, this, what I thought was a pretty nice film about the B, you know, set in the BDSM world. So I went in to meet with him because I know him for years and I've written scripts for him years ago to try to apply for that job to direct the movie. Uh-huh. So we go in there. He's like, hey, I'm like, hey, Mike, haven't seen you in a while. He's like, great. He's like, uh, you know what I loved of yours, Eric? I'm like, what? He's like, you're still single series. And it was just so, <laughs> that's so interesting weird. to me. Right. But it's kind of like what I was telling you, like, that's just a show about knucklehead Eric in a car driving across the country, getting into shenanigans with chicks and his family and friends. And, and I just think it appeals to like the every man and people the kind of the every man who does things that we don't talk about, like you said, right. But we all have some version of in our own lives. We like to watch you do it. And, right. Uh, because it, it confirms that you're not nuts for you doing it, but just, right. you just don't tell anyone you do it. Now, are you still single? I am. So are you looking or are you just... Yeah, yeah, I want to get married. Did, didn't you just have... Did you just have a... Is that your child that you're in a picture with? Yeah, yeah, it's my baby. Unbelievable. So congratulations. Thanks. It's so Listen, it was so heartwarming to see that picture. No, that's... You have my life. You're my dream. You're my hero. I want to have have a nice baby and a mom to, with to make the baby with, but... 
I'm every Jewish mother's uh, favorite story. What? You know, over 40 gets married to a great woman and has a baby. It can happen. Yeah, well, I don't see why it shouldn't happen. That doesn't seem like it's supposed to be. Yeah, sometimes I'll say, I, like, I definitely want kids. They'll, they'll, they'll be like, really, still? I'm like, what do you mean, still? It's, it's a I'm lot. a young man. Yeah, it's a lot. It's fun. I, it's a lot. It's before you got before is it the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. It's great. It, I don't understand life without it. But right. before you you called in, Rose was screaming at the top of her lungs, not in a bad way, just happy. She realized she has vocal cords, and she's just like, Mah! I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do anything. If she's going to keep doing it, and I look at her, and she stops. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Because of the noise. The noise the is just so loud. Was that? Because of the shrill noise? Yeah, she's just screaming. I mean, it's, I was like, no, it's a beautiful and happy scream. It's just, oh, it's, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I had to record, and uh, she's screaming. Oh, I see. You had to record. <laughs> yeah, she's Because a I'm a little noise-phobic. And oh, yeah, good luck with the kid. I know, but then I hear <laughs> that it's like, it's your kid, it's different. No, it's noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to be pounding on the wall like the neighbors, but uh, yeah, it's still noise. But it's, still, I mean. You're still I not mean, sleeping. I'm sure, listen, I just know, and I'm. I know people say, listen, you don't even know what love means until you have a kid. Like, you don't, you think you know, but you don't know. No, it's okay. It's easy. That's what everybody I'm says. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. You, how do women find you who want to date you? <laughs> You're so sweet. They go, you know, they used to go on when I had the show. This is so dating. It was only six years ago that, that we did my soul single show, but people would write in on MySpace. Wow. But anyway, but um, no, they, listen, I, I meet women and, uh, you know, wonderful, amazing women. It just hasn't clicked yet, but. Everyone knows how to find me, you know, at Mr. Mr. What is it? At Mr. Eric Schaefer's Twitter. Uh huh. At Mr. At Mr. Eric Schaefer, and then I'm on Facebook. It's just my old Eric Schaefer self. So good. Friday night when they go to the movie, are you going to be there this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go do a Q and A on Saturday at 7:30 screening, and then I'm usually listen. This is the fun for me to like experience the film in a community with people. Like I said. So I, I'm pretty much hanging around in the back in the shadows at almost every screening. And it's not because I need to see my movie again. It's because I like to experience it with the audience. You know? Right, right. See where they laugh, see if they feel moved at places, you know. Because it's such a solitary, filmmaking can be such a solitary experience that this is when I get to share it with people. Is it true you're only making this movie because you got caught Googling transgender actress and you're then trying to make an excuse that you're making a film <laughs> and then quickly wrote a script and sent it to your mom and stepdad? <laughs> Dude, I told my friend today, I said, no, I, I don't have to like be prepared for Adam. He's not going to try to blindside me with any kind of, <laughs> you know, like bullshit, like questions about anything bad. He's my friend. He's on my side. And here you waited for 45 minutes and f even you. Yes. Could not. No. And, but you said it actually in a very funny way. No, I, as you know, I'm out as somebody who is, I'm fine, transgender women, super sexy. And listen, I was once like, what do you call it? Cyber sexed with, with somebody, cyber sexing. Right. Skype cyber sexing with a girl. And I was in a very compromising position. You know, I don't want to, I'll leave that to people's imagination, but trust it. I was, I was oh, sitting in my Put your clothes back on, Eric. We're Skyping. I was butt naked. Right. I had some to sex toys and, my hands and another, you know. And so suddenly I could swear that I heard that like, that snap, that iPhone picture taking sound effect. Uh -huh. Like when you do a screen grab. And I suddenly stopped because I didn't know this girl that well and she was a little crazy. And so she was like, I was like, 
you didn't just take a picture, did you? She's like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Like with whatever she was ma- I was doing. Yeah. She's like, no, keep going. I'm like, wait, did you just take a picture? And she's like, no, of course I didn't. I don't even know how to do that. I'm like, I'm an idiot. I know how to do a screen grab. And I'm a fucking moron. Right. So whatever, we like finished our sexting together. And and I, and I, I, it was never the same after that. And I kind of stopped talking to her. But I said to her, listen, not for nothing. I, I have a Showtime show where I'm in front of millions of people on my knees sucking like a strap on from a dominatrix. Like, I'm not worried that you're going to do anything with that picture that could possibly compromise me. Like, right. it's only- all out there. I just want to know if you're a fucking lied to me or not. I just want you to be honest. Uh-huh. Like, we can do fun pictures. I'm not scared. It's like, that ship sailed. The only difference is people aren't renting your movie. To, they're seeing that picture for free. That's the only objection. <laughs> right. The only thing is I get your money from it. If you want to see an enema out of your ass, watch Starved. Go yes, pay for Starved. If you want to see, right, right. So, yeah. So I'm not worried. I, I'm very public and happy to talk about my thinking that that's sexy. I wouldn't be shamed into having to make a movie. To, but that's what they used to say. Like, oh, you like make movies so you could like kiss pretty girls. I'm like, dude, I got more trim as a fucking cab driver. You think that in this day and age, the leading actress wants to go out with the director, writer, director? That's way too uncool. Like, they marry the shaggy fucking second grip. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. The techie dude. Julia Roberts doesn't marry the director. She marries the, like, the DP, you know? So you do these movies to meet girls? No, I drove. A, I drive a cab to meet girls. <laughs> I love making films. You do movies to pay the rent and the cabbage for the girls. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, Eric, thank you very much. I'll let you go. No, man, it's so great. It's really great talking. You look great. I love the short hair. Are you going to come out? Well, I'd love to see you when you're in yeah, LA. Yeah, I'm going to be there next week just for three days. So maybe we can... Um, I'm around. We can hang out. All right, good. All right. Yeah. I'll talk Listen, to you later. The movie's great. And we'll definitely plug it. All right, thanks, man. All right, Adam, thanks. Bye-bye. If you want to watch, stream any of Eric's movies, go to our website, prowlersends.com. If you like this episode, tweet it out, put it on Facebook, let people know. For the love of Christmas, don't don't hog it up. I want to thank uh, David Schoenholz for directing. For directing, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'd like to thank David for uh, doing a great job for the logo for Proudly Resents and for Dream Tweet, the game show to go. Check out Dream Tweet; it's a very funny podcast. You want to know how to hand, uh, handle Dave? You got to handle him nicely, like a gentleman. If you want to know how to reach Dave? Go to our website. We have a link to his email and such. Adam, that, that, we're, we're out of time for this interview.